says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to preview all the action out of round 13 is my good mate, 60s, with the Eels taking on separate opponents in the Flag Cup and NRL this week, mate. Yeah, and again, a busy week for the Cumberland Throw. We've got our appearance in Parramatta Leagues Club tomorrow night, the preview podcast in Jack's Bar and Grill from 6.15pm tomorrow so make sure you get in there and catch us uh with special guest john Muggleton, mate i'm looking forward to catching up with john again he was outstanding when he joined us last year he was probably even better at the blue and gold alliance mm, sold the show uh, at the bga golf day yeah, the Ted yeah, yeah. Cup. very good very good all that we'll have to see what we can extract from him in the way of anecdotes and stories and uh, laughs and what have you. So please get in there. Um, use that opportunity to have a listen to John Muggle and have a, a bit of a chat about um, not just the back in his day, but we'll also talk to him about the game itself. So he, he's he's a person with opinions and um, I look forward to, uh, to us having him there as a special guest. So yeah, very busy week, mate. It, it seems like it was only yesterday, although it was the day before, but it feels like only yesterday we were recording the news episode and and the news still keeps on coming. But before we hit with a bit of the news, just a thanks to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. As we always say, because it's true, if we didn't have our sponsors, basically the Cumberland Throw wouldn't exist like it does now. It's helped us to grow. It's helped us to keep bringing you all the content that we do. So our, our shout out to them and, and also to uh, Paraleagues who are great spot, who, who are great partners of us and provide us with that opportunity to uh, present the podcast to you all live on match days and even some of the away games these days. So, um, but yeah, mate, a bit of news that's come in first thing this morning. Yeah. On a somber note, uh, before we get into the actual footy previews and, uh, this isn't directly tied to football, I suppose, but it is one of the most iconic, or uh, well, tied to one of the most iconic uh, music tunes that's been associated with rugby league. But Tina Turner has passed away at age 83 in her home in Switzerland. She's had a long battle of illness and has finally passed, and I suppose, for the better in that regard when you have those long fights uh, with sickness. But yeah, real, real somber note there for rugby league. Tina was one of the voices of the game, and the best, or simply the best, is one of the iconic anthems of rugby league. Yes, I mean, so much so that the successful campaign that they had before, which was based around her song, What You Get Is What You See, which really was a game changer in the way of promoting sport in Australia and probably around the world, was then followed up. If we thought that couldn't be topped, it yeah. was followed up by simply the best. It became an anthem for the game. It absolutely became an anthem of the game. As... You know, it's strange because that was a, a, an era when the game was experiencing such tremendous growth in its mm-hmm. popularity. For us as Eels support, it wasn't the greatest time. No, yeah, it's funny. It didn't correspond with a good period of play for the Eels. Yeah, it was, it was funny because back in those times, 
there, I, I was almost envious of the fact that there were there were clubs that were having such resurgent times and um, and the game itself and our our eels club was just like going through the darkest of days and it was so at a time when the game was experiencing such uh, incredible growth and and based around the promotional campaigns we we had that scenario where it just wasn't um, happening for Parramatta so um, thankfully it didn't take too long for the eels to start kicking up um, after the Super League war but um, yeah it, certainly Tina Turner she's going to be associated in Australia with the game of rugby league um, she's an icon for her music around the world um, and I guess when it when it these sorts of things happen that what you are left with fortunately is is the memories and the music and um, and of course all you can do is to um, wish all those um, close to her the best and, and their sympathies and condolences. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, there's probably going to be plenty of moments around her association with the game that'll be relived on the NRL website, on Fox League and Channel 9 over the next few days. So I guess even though it sounds strange to say it, just kick back and enjoy whatever you get to whatever is shared with us over the next few days. Yeah, celebrate the life that was rather than commiserate, uh, you know, someone passing on. A uh, quick question for you now um, around this. The the Australians' adaptation of creating a dance to Nutbush City Limit, it's it's probably, I mean, it's, it's a song that has almost become like a, a party anthem mm. and a, a certainly you know back in the days a disco anthem in that uh you know as soon as the nutbush city limits would go on that there'd be the line dancing yeah everyone jumps up for the line dance jumps, and you, jumps you, up clapping in sync yeah i mean i think it's a it's a combination of line dancing and a dance called the madison i don't think it's exactly like the madison but it was uh, you know it, it certainly developed a life of its own as a song in Australia, and I think Australians probably have an, an affinity with that song. So I've got to ask you, John. Now, be honest. Have you ever jumped up and done the Nutbush dance? It got at taught. A party or a party? It got taught during PE for me during yeah, primary yeah. school. So we yeah, did yeah. we did it there. And then I remember at my uh, dad's fiftieth birthday, they had a jukebox cranking. It was a multi-day party. A very big Italian affair, and had Nutbush a couple of times on there, and everyone would jump up and uh, do the Nutbush City Limit dance. So yeah, I've done a couple of times in my life. Well, mate, I, I much to I, I, no, I don't think it's to my shame because, but you know, it's going to surprise people that a person with my rhythm <laughs> and, my, and my, you know, the, the natural dance instincts that exist within me that I never actually got up and did that. It, it, I was one of those people who would exit a dance floor when the song would come on and that was basically because i couldn't do the damn thing so um as shame as that is and and yes as a teacher that would be taught to students in my class but here's the here's the clever thing that i always did when it came to dance teaching i would always partner up with another class 
Uh-huh. And a teacher who could dance. Yes. So and then delegate. It would be it would be, you know, we'd take the kids to the hall and it might be done with two classes or three classes. And there would be a and one of the teachers who could dance would be up up on the stage with a couple of kids who knew the dances. And it would be instructed to the kids like that. And I'd just be wandering around and making sure the kids are having a proper go at it and and, you know, pointing to the stage and say, look, look, look what's look what what you have to be doing. <laughs> I wasn't actually one of the ones instructing. So um, yeah, there's an admission. There's an admission for you, mate. Yeah. Anyway, we better get on we better get on with the footy. It's um yeah, it just brings back some memories of um as you say, the even being taught that's how Australian it was. It was even exactly in, in school. How to dance not push city limits. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into the footy 60s. Free games in two days across Friday and Saturday. Let's start reverse chronological order with the Jersey Flag Cup. 2.45pm, the Parramatta Eagles are hosting the Melbourne Storm. Like we said earlier, it's three separate teams this week. There's no alignment across the three senior grades. So Eels host the Storms in the Jersey Flag. I believe it's uh, one place below the Eels. Yeah, so it's a six-place Eels versus the seven-place Storm. And, sorry... Uh, Eels coming to this round, five wins, five losses, two buys. The Storm are four wins, five losses, three buys. So they're one of two teams, it looks like, that have had three buys in this competition alongside the St. George Illawarra Dragons. For the Parramatta Eels, though, 60s, they look like this. At fullback, we have Apa Tweedle, or Teharanui Apanui Tweedle. Uh, and then you've got Matthew Komalafi and Lene Federica on the wings. I got one change there. Obviously, if uh, Lene coming onto the wing this week in the centres, though, Terrell Williams and Richard Penasini remain unchanged. Mac Pofisi and Joshua Lynn in the halves. I think Ethan Sanders picked up what we suspect was a broken hand last week, 60s. So his SG ball pre- uh, premiership winning partner, Josh Lynn, comes into the starting halves. Uh, pretty handy there for the Parramatta Reels, if you pardon the pun, uh, to have that sort of a uh, calibre of backup, backup, if you will. Then you got front row, Noah Reed and Sam Tuovati getting the start. The big man racing for the ranks here as he goes from SG Ball to Jersey Flag. Jacob Davis starts at dummy half. Jock Brazel will captain the team on the edge with Saxon Pryke running out on the other flank. Nick Lenars is a lock forward. On the interchange, Matty Alpha is a dummy half reserve. Lance Fall, Lima, Lachlan Mears Crab and Larry Mwanga Tutia round out the interchange forwards. Damian Nati, the 18th man. Taking on the Melbourne Storm here, 60s. I don't think there's too many names I recognise here. Uh, not really this time around. There is a Mitchell Jennings, but I don't think that's an relation to the Jennings boys. Uh, but yeah, Eels coming off a last start loss where they took on the uh, was it South Sydney Rabbitohs. Got out to a 16-0 lead. Then a string of injuries uh, saw them uh, sort of fold over. Uh, Ethan Sanders, a couple of injuries in the back line. I think they ended up having back rollers in the centres or props in, and props on the edges last week. So be looking to not be as injured this week against the Melbourne Storm and get back on track. Yeah, now fortunately for the Eels, you mentioned the injury to Ethan Sanders that they had uh, Josh Lynn, who was his, as you mentioned, was his halves partner in SG Ball. So he's ready to... Um, step up and and take on the um, the on field general sort of role that um, that game management role that Sanders does so well. You you also mentioned 
Sam Tuavati getting a, a starting role now. Well, I'm not too sure how far away we are from um, Brock Parker returning. Yeah, the timeline's Brock, close now. Yeah, so uh, that's – but Sam, we I don't think we had too many doubts that he was going to handle that step up to the flag and be uh, a dominant uh, middle forward there. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching uh, all of them in action on Saturday, uh, I'm I'll be up there at Kellyville on Saturday, and um, will in all likelihood look to uh, blog that match for uh, people who are going to um, who aren't able to get up there. So, um, if uh, although I'm not sure, mate, we haven't we actually haven't convened on this. Are you going to be able to get? I up there I Saturday? think uh, given that we've had like um, my family here had COVID, I think there's meant to be a family gathering. Now that everyone's clear, so I don't think I'll be out at Kellyville, but I'll have to double check that. Okay, so anyway, we will we will cover it. Uh, if uh, if 40's not up there, I'll be covering the game <sighs> with a uh, with a, a live match blog. So make sure you tune into the Cumberland Throw on uh, Saturday afternoon, quarter to three, isn't it? Quarter to three. Quarter to three, correct? The, yeah, two forty five. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, we uh, we won't be able to bring any coverage of the New South Wales Cup because at that stage, at that very time, we will be live in Paraleagues with our pre-match preview with John Muggledon. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll we'll make that up to people with a coverage of the Jersey flag on Saturday afternoon. So look, I, I'd like to think the team's going to bounce back, mate. It's um, obviously, as you said, there was all those disruptions during the game when they were in control. And I think there were a few tries that were left out on the field as well that mm-hmm. uh, just weren't quite iced, um, a bit of drop ball and uh, what have you. So, um, But it will be interesting to see uh, how uh, Josh Lynn is able to perform in his first game in Jersey flag. But I look at the, I look at the pack and I think that's a... That's a really strong pack because you've got Nick Lanaz, who's, who's had a little bit of experience in in uh, recent weeks with um, getting on to the New South Wales Cup. So he's he's become a bit of a fringe New South Wales Cup player as well as uh, Jock Brazel. So those two have, have been getting their time in the in the um, open age football, uh, just a little bit of time off the bench. But that that all adds up to coming back against an age team, age team players. And I guess being, um, I won't say um, the senior players in the team, but you know what I mean? They're the, they become the more experienced players if they've had a bit of time up in the, up in the higher grades. And you'd like to think as well, because that, that means they get a bit of training time with the NRL team in opposed sessions that they come back with a little bit of something extra. And I think that's going to benefit the team. The more that we will start to see that thing that happening with uh, players, and and we've already got someone like uh, Matt Komalafi who has experience time up in uh, New South Wales Cup as well. So um, hopefully, as I said, they bring that back with them. And then I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I, I haven't seen uh, Big Larry run around since early in the season. 
Uh, I think it was he might have played the first game of the season. Yeah. So I'm looking, uh, and he might have had one other game off the bench that I didn't catch. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in action this week. And I'm also looking forward to, I know he came, he came off the bench last week, but I, I didn't get out to Mascot to see the game. But uh, Matt Arthur in his first game that I've seen in uh, Jersey Flag this week. So looking forward to that. So, uh, mate, that then, as you say, we're, we're sort of a little bit of out, out of order because that's the last match of the weekend mm-hmm. for the Eels. But as we work through towards the NRL, that was last match first. But now we go to the first match next with the New South Wales Cup. Yeah, the Curtin Take us through Take us through the team list there. Tomorrow night out of Combank Stadium, 5.40pm kickoff. Like you said, unfortunately, it clashes with our pre-game commitments at Jack's Bar and Grill. Uh, we've got the mighty John Muggleton coming on board the chat with the Parramatta or chat about the Parramatta Eels and their opponents, the North Queensland Cowboys. But for this game, it's the Eels in eighth place taking on the, tab- the table-topping North Sydney Bears. And given that all that's transpired this week, Sixties, this could be an ugly game. No Jake Arthur. Uh, got a whole stack of forwards out as well as the Eels caught upon their depth forwards to reinforce a weakened pack in the NRL. And they're taking on the... Uh, look at the ladder. They're nine wins from 11 starts. Bears have only dropped two games. Uh, they've got, they haven't actually got the best points differential or even the second best points differential. Both the Jets and the Warriors owning better point differential records in that regard, but they've still got the most outright wins by two full wins, actually. So they're doing very, very well in this grade. Actually, a lot of uh, former Eels or former Reserve Eels in this team, 60s. Yeah, I, just, I was just looking at that. So um... Josh Bergman was with us in 2018 as part of the Wenty Magpies. Toa Mata yep. Arthur was with us recently during the COVID uh, window in reserve grade. Then you've got uh, Ellie Elsgaham, Zach Docker Clay, and Kurt DeLouis, uh, former Jersey Flag or was it Jersey Flag back then? Or Holden Cup? I think it was. Oh, I think you know. I think it was NYC. Yeah, I think it was NYC when um, when Kurt DeLouis was there, and of course he's he's since spent time with Manly. He's been great at Manly. Yep. So yeah. A lot of our former Eels here have made their way here, not directly from the club. I don't think anyone's been here. Oh, well, Ellie uh, is the only um, one that made it directly there. So, yeah, a lot of former Eels there, all doing pretty well, which is good to see. But we talk yeah, about, that's, uh, of course, the Roosters. Yes, they're one of the Roosters feeder branches there, and they're going to line up uh, with the Melbourne Storm next year. So the, yes. the Bears have been busy, very, very busy over there. Uh, but for the Parramatta Eels, they've got a vastly different team this week. We start at fullback with the first major change. Zach Sini taking over the custodial roles at the back. On the flanks, Hayes Dunster and Chris Tupo. Joshua Minhinik and Isaac Lumi Lumi are in the centres. Dejan Arcee has swapped from fullback to 5'8 for the Eels. Look to reinforce their halves with the loss of Jake Arthur to Manly effective immediately. Jordan Rankin will move from 6 to 7, which is probably mostly a cosmetic change, but he might have more responsibility to organise the team this week. He's also the captain. In the front row, it's Jiramo Messia and Kai Rodwell. Many Luke is at dummy half. Jack Murchie, Dan Keir are on the edges. Jaden Yates is the lock forward. On the interchange, you have Tavita Talmapenu, Nico Apelu, the big hyphen, Jonte Jr., Befam Misa, and Tony Mattelli. Always good to see uh, the hyphen up there, getting some time in reserve grade. And yeah, it's a it's not a terrible team on paper, 60s. I think the back line's fairly weak, but the forward pack has still got a bit of juice in it. Uh, but I'm going to have to wait and see because Jake Arthur was doing a lot of heavy lifting in this grade and how they managed yeah. to accommodate his absence now moving forwards is going to be very, very interesting. I was looking at some stats last night because um, there was still 
in in response to a couple of our posts, there was still um, people that were, you know, not I don't think giving Jake the credit that he deserved as a as a halfback because he was actually the dominant half in the New South Wales Cup, and I'm not I'm not talking about Parramatta. I'm talking about across the New South Wales Cup competition that his stats were in in a lot of categories right at the very top of the stats for uh, for this grade. Um, now, what does that mean for the Eels? Well, a lot of people are talking about they you know looking forward to seeing uh, Dejan playing in the halves, and really. Um, this is the time when Dejan needs to showcase what he can do to the club, uh, for the club. Um, so it's there's a lot that's been said about his utility value, and I think that's probably where he does need to show that because as things stand, without another recruit, if Parramatta were to lose Mitch Moses or Dylan Brown, what are the options that are then available to the Eels. Now, there's talk that that might mean that someone uh, s- such as Gutho goes into the halves and someone else comes up as fullback or there's some sort of um, change that goes on. Now, it, it might be a chain reaction of change, whether um, someone's brought up from New South Wales Cup to play in Gutho's position, whether someone's brought up from New South Wales Cup to play in the halves, whether there's no um, elegant solution though, is there? No, and it's and it's like you start to think, does it will be a be forced to do a multi-positional change? You know, something like um, Gutho into the halves, Sean Russell to fullback, um, someone uh, yeah, Hayes Dunstan Dunstan brought up onto the wing. Yeah, you know, it's like those sorts of solutions, which means three positional changes to cover one injury. Or do you just so, go Bryce Cartwright into the halves and then weaken your forward pack? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So the the best alternative to that is that someone's performing well in New South Wales Cup in the halves can, can simply be brought into the halves. Now, we don't wish... Um, I mean, we you then have to hope that that sort of scenario doesn't unfold where you lose a half, but... It, with the, I mean, just from the concussion protocols, that is just one head knock away from happening on any given week that a, a player is going to be missing for one week, potentially two, depending on the timing of the draw. So, and we almost saw that happen with Mitch Moses, where he literally came out of concussion protocols the day before the South Sydney match. So, um, so for someone like Dejan Arcee, this is his time to really step up and showcase what he is able to do for the Eels. He's been brought to the club, I'm sure, as that utility value. And, um, yeah, he, he basically needs to be able to carry through with that to to have the scenario where he's, he's looked at as an answer. Um, like yourself, I... My concerns are around the back line because we have players who are playing out of position. Uh, Zach Sini, he'd spent a bit of time at fullback in the preseason, but he's known more as a winger and centre. You've got Josh Mahinik, who, when he's been called upon from um, the Wenty feeder club, 
has been playing on the wing. You've got Isaac Lumi Lumi, who's primarily known as a winger, and he's playing in the centres. You've got Chris Tupu, who's been brought up from Wente to play on the wing. You've got Dejan Arce, who, is, as we said, has been playing fullback, but he's now playing at 5'8". You've got Jordan Rankin, who's been playing at 5'8". He's now playing at halfback. So we've got all that, all those sort of changes. In contrast with the forwards, well, many Luke's been the hooker for some uh, for a number of weeks now uh, since he's called up from Wente. He's been going. He's probably been one of the more outstanding players in the team. Cod, Kai Rodwell's a bit of a mainstay at prop. Jack Murchie, a very solid selection in the second row, given that he's a fringe NRL player. Dan Keir, also very solid in the second row. Jaden Yates, we know he's a workaholic at lock, so he'll get done what needs to get done. Jaira Momosia has not had a great season. He's been even down to the point, I think, where he was reserved for the interchange bench at one stage mm-hmm. in a team listing. So, <clears throat> But as as you say, we've, there's still enough forwards that Tavita Tomapenu can't get a start. And Tony Mattaelli can't get a start. They're both off, coming off the bench. So, uh, yeah, a bit more depth there to the forwards than there are to the back lines. What's your expectation from this? Look, if they're competitive, if they're within you know arm's distance of the Bears at full time, they've done pretty good. Yeah, uh, you you have to be. We have to be honest with that. I mean the <clears throat> the Eels have got themselves um, in the like a mid ladder sort of position and. A little bit inconsistent, but what's been happening is when they've had losses, they've had some big blowouts. Blowouts, the opposite of the NRL, who have, <laughs> yeah. who have managed to put out the spot fires week in, week out, uh, but the Cup haven't. The Cup have been run off the park a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, that brings us to the main event, 60s, 8 o'clock p.m. kickoff out at Combank Stadium. It's the split or the first split round for Origin the Parramatta Eels hosting the North Queensland Cowboys. It's actually 13th v 14th. But both teams are actually, when you, you look at the ladder, that's how crazy this season is. The Eels on 13, uh, or in 13th with 10 wins, 10 points, 5 wins. Same with the Cowboys, 14th, 10 points from 5 wins. 7 wins and 8 wins get you to the top of the table depending on your buy splits. So as, as much as teams down here are struggling, uh, and you know, the Eels, the Cowboys, uh, the Roosters, all those teams, a couple of wins. You go on a bit of a run and suddenly you're back in the top four. So that's the sort of year it's been. Uh, it's I wrote last week in um, uh, on the – I'm trying to think what day was it that I got it out. It might have been Sunday about that the Eels were – their form – I've been arguing that their form this year has been more consistent than it was last year. And I used examples of comparing the matches that – have been played so far this year and compared to those matches against those same opponents last year. And this year we're five and seven last year against those same opponents. It was six and six, but the stark difference was in the for and against where this year we're in uh, a positive, I think it's 44 in the differential. And last year it was something like a negative 23 against those opponents. So there was a, a, a big difference in that points differential, yep. which is basically reflected through having narrow losses and quite reasonably large wins when they've occurred. You know, like say maybe take out that Penrith 
victory and the Tigers' victory, which were <clears throat> relatively close. But we've we've had big wins, whereas last year we had blowout losses. Um, that game against the Bulldogs last year. Yeah, that one was one one of those uh, defeats that really hurt when it came to the ladder and just the momentum of the season. And oh, it was it was. I mean, you had a lot of supporters skulking out of ANZ. Uh, well, it's not ANZ; it's Acor Stadium, isn't it? Now? Yes. But um, you know, I, I was one of them. I was I was walking out. You know having Bulldog supporters all around rejoicing <laughs> like they'd won a premiership. Yes, it was a big and, game for them. And, and they were literally laughing and dancing. Such was their, uh, the what was it, 34 to 4, I think was the final score. But uh, I remember walking out and just thinking, what the hell have I just watched? How You know, and, and the people were rightly, I guess, saying, that's that's not the performance of a team that has any sort of title aspirations, and yet look what happened in in the tail end of the season when the Eels suddenly went, you know what, it's time to play, and um, you know had some tremendous victories in that run to the grand final. But yeah, so looking at this season, I think we've been quite consistent. We found ways to lose, which is which is that's the worrying part out of it of the whole thing. But I guess what I'm saying with all of this is that there it seems like we're a team that doesn't roll over like we did last year. You, you could easily say that, I mean, BA and the players use the term like, oh, it didn't turn up. I mean, it's the, that's that common. Rugby leagueism. Rugby. Yeah. 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 Oh, it didn't turn up. Didn't turn up, you know, which is, I hate hearing it. I, I hate it when if I ever use it, I find myself using yeah, it. Yeah, it's like you got 80 minutes of the entire week where you just need to turn up. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't think we could accuse the team at any stage this year of yeah. not turning up, even they've in been, the performances. They've been competitive they've, week in, week out. They've been they've been competitive and they've they've looked to play till that eightieth minute. Now they mightn't have produced eighty minutes of quality football, but there's always a fight within them, and and we saw that in um, losses that they've we've had to the Sea Eagles and to the Roosters, where there's was some late tries that, um, uh, in the case of Manly, almost gave the Eels a chance of pulling out a last minute win, um, or in the case of the Roosters, having having a scoreline where I think it was like four tries to three or something like that. But anyway, it was a, a it was a narrower loss than maybe it, it would have normally been, but. Um, yeah, so I think what we can say is is even this week with the players that we've got out that the Eels will be competitive. But I guess that's that's a good segue now for you to go through the team list. Yeah, let's start as always with our opposition, the North Queensland Cowboys coming into town. I think they actually stayed the week in town, 60s, if I'm not mistaken, because they had some, uh, I think they played early in the week last round and then they stayed on for the Matty John show on Sunday. So i uh, I think that was Reverend uh, Cotter, was it? Oh, no, it wasn't. It was, I can't remember. Anyway, but I uh, like the Eels. They're without some serious firepower this week, uh, although theirs tends to be more focused in the back line. Let's start with their major outs, Murray Talungi. Uh, you got Valentine Holmes, Tom Dearden, and Reuben Cotter, a quartet of origin players, of Queensland origin players there, uh, with freaks expected to be part of the actual top 17 and Tom Dearden, the 18th man, so he won't be released to play as it stands on paper. Uh, so it means that they're, their team, sorry, 
uh, shapes up like this at fullback, Scott Drinkwater, Kyle Felt and Robert Darby on the wings. Zach Laybutt, who I believe is the brother of Kyle Laybutt, who was a halfback, uh, and Peter Hiku in the centres. Ben Hampton and Chad Townsend, who also captained the team in the halves. So a vastly different backline there. Sixties, we'll talk about that shortly. In the front row, it's Jordan McLean and Cohen Hess. Reese Robson, uh, a good young dummy half there. He's number nine. Luciano Leilua is now two, or in his second game back from his uh, return from the no-fault stand-down list. He's working with Helam Lukey on the edges. Jake Granville is the lock forward. Uh, Jack Goshowski is on the interchange with uh, Kulakefu Finafiyuaki, I think. Sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, Jermaine Tanoa-Brown and Griffin Neem round out the interchange. Mitchell Dunn, Brendan Elliott, Sam McIntyre, Thomas Duffy and a sneaky little Jason Talmololo on the extended roster there. So if Lolo's fit, you got to think that they're going to uh, figure to get him into this team. But yeah, the Cowboys down on backs. Uh, and yeah, down on, on forwards too for Ruben Cotter, but still fielding most of their forward back there, except for Jeremiah and I, who is serving a suspension, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. I, I, from my recollection, I think that's, yeah, I think that's Maybe correct. a hip drop tackle? Yeah. Um, yeah. And on the other side of the field, uh, let's get to our Paramount Eels, 60s. Uh, at fullback, unchanged, Quinton Gufferson, he'll captain the team. Mike Acevo and Sean Russell on the edges. Sean had a really good game last week against South, so if he can back it up this week. Uh, Will Penasini and Bowie Simonson are in the centres. Dylan Brown, Mitchell Moses make that uh, wonderful halves partnership again in the front row. Well, he's gone from, what, number four or five prop to number two prop to now number one prop. Wiri McGreg is going to lead this team this week, 60s. He's had a, a wonderful ascent this year, and yes, someone's had to deal with injuries, uh, but he's just been getting better and better as the season's played out. He's going to partner new face Joe Ofengahi in the front row. Uh, Joe released at 3.59 p.m. on Team List Tuesday. Uh, just squeezed into the Team List and was actually a, almost a TBA. Eels announced the vacant number 10 initially and then quickly updated that with Joe when he was officially made an Eel. Josh Hodson will be a dummy half. Bryce Cartwright starts on what I expect to be the left edge, uh, but he has the versatility to play both sides. But uh, given that Matt Dury is in the starting team and is being played on the right exclusively in NRL, although I think he's played some left edge in cup, uh, I think that he'll be on the right there. Jermaine Hopgood will be the lock forward. He and Cardi are going to have to, alongside Wittemur too, are going to have to steer this team around. And then on the interchange, Hickey Ogden, Brendan Hands, Luca Moretti making his club debut, his NRL debut. Uh, the former schoolboy dual international for Australia in Union League, with Makahesi Makatoa rounding out the interchange. Extended roster, Dejan Arcee, Hayes Dunster, Kai Rodwell, Jack Murchie, and Isaac Lumi Lumi. Liam Kennedy is the man with the whistle. Belinda Sharp, Wyatt Raymond are running the sidelines. Ashley Klein is the senior review official. Well, mate, it's, it is an interesting lineup for the Eels. You can see you've got the Cowboys greatly impacted with missing players in their back line. Uh, you did mention a couple of players that are out with their forwards, but we might have a, a big in that happens for them at the last minute. Yeah, looking at Tamalolo there, but Eels missing yeah. a ton of forwards. Oof. Yeah, a ton of forwards, mate. Imagine like if someone had said to me at the start of the, of the season and I'd been there watching the preseason that – you're going to see Parramatta's starting props mid-season will be Wiramu Greg and Joe Offengawi. 
Yeah, it, it's kind of like a some sort of a you know drug adult dream, isn't it? When you, when you talk <laughs> about that, and when you just mention the fact that uh, the Eels would have what one forward from their grand final uh, trip last year in the team right now, Bryce Cartwright. No, uh, Bryce, Bryce didn't play. Bryce the didn't final. play. There you go. So, are there any forwards in this team then? No. Not that not that played in the in yeah. the grand final because there's no junior, no Reg, no Sean Lane, no Ryan Madison, uh, and obviously all the players that departed in Murata and Ice and uh, whatnot. Far out. Yeah, yeah. So. That's that. That is what you call some significant change. And and also, if someone had said to me at the start of the season that uh, the bench would be as it looks in this game. I would have thought, well, okay, well, individually, I can, maybe see, I can maybe see that these players get game time this year. Makatoa was was probably the most likely. Ogden, we knew, was capable of you know being able to force his way to the bench, but hadn't played that sort of football. Uh, you know, Brendan Hands has made a huge step this year, uh, and Luca Moretti, well, he's been another player that's come not from the clouds, but stayed healthy and has made himself a factor in an equation that we didn't know he was part of. Up yes, until yes. So, I mean, what you're basically talking about was players who started the year rated as depth players. Like, just, you know, being honest, that they're rated as depth players that you're, that you're expecting you might need to call on during the season. And, but not wholesale. Uh, a couple, and, a, and a couple are in that position now, but you've got them all together. Yeah. On the on the bench, and that's the main thing. And and like full credit to all of them because Offa Hickey Ogden has done exceptionally well in the, his call ups to first grade this year. And to and and to be fair, I think Mac has done the same as well. That he's brought energy when he's come onto the field. Brendan Hands, well, that's been pretty well documented about how much he's progressed this year. When you consider that during the preseason there was a battle between himself. And um, Jaden Yates over who is going to get the dummy half role in New South Wales Cup, the dummy half and in, in competing with Mitch Rain. Now, Mitch Rain's just not sided now anywhere. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm not sure just how strong his link is with the club right now. I, I'm not aware of any injury. I could be wrong. So, um, yeah, but so to go from that situation where um, Jaden's now playing at lock in New South Wales Cup, which we thought was a role that he could also play, but now Brendan's there with a lot of people even pushing for him to be the starting dummy half in the NRL side. So that's a measure of how much he's progressed this season. And now Luca Moretti, well, Luca's been our tip since... Oh, almost since the start of the season with his form in New South Wales Cup that he could be the next to debut. And he's uh, alongside uh, Big Joe, who's debuting from another club. Yeah. He is he is uh, getting to be a, a, a one of the uh, 2023 debutants. So, um, yeah, congratulations to... Basically, to all of them in getting this uh, first grade gig this week. So, just looking at it, mate. That the where's the game going to be won? 
It always feels like Parramatta where if the forwards give a platform, like just a, a competitive platform, then you know you're going to be in for a real shot at winning. And I think that's true this week. If uh, Looking at those starting middles, if Wiramu and Joe and uh, obviously Jermaine from lock forward can set the tone early on and, and give Ogden and Makatoa and Moretti a chance to come into a game where they can build rather than be desperately scrambling to you know patch up leaks and, and holes here and there, then yeah, I think our back line, which is untouched from last week, can uh, see the day through. Yeah, it's there. There can't really be any excuses for the back line because the back line is at the moment the strongest back line that we can select. Yes, we've yes. got we've got no absences there. Um, Sean Russell seems got, to be through that period of yips under the high ball, which is huge. Uh, yes. South South tested him last week. He was comfortable there. Made a really nice play to score the opening try. Worked really hard to ruck. I think he got up over 150 meters. Uh, exactly what you want to see from him. Absolutely. And really the only um, other options that you're looking at are Hayes Dunster, who's been playing first grade until recently, but is clearly still um, making his way back from that devastating knee injury last year. And outside of that, uh, Wonga, who was dropped based on form, but then got injured in New South Wales Cup. And he's probably at least a month away from returning to first grade, well, returning to the football field, I should say. And uh, then we'd have to see whether he's regained confidence because it, to me, his lack of form was complete lack was due to a complete lack of confidence. And I thought he needed time in New South Wales Cup to regain that confidence. Now, now he's had a long-term injury since he's been out. So... Um, whether he's going to get back to uh, his best, we don't know. And this could well be his last year with the Eels. So, as I said, this is probably the the best back line that we can select at the moment. And, um, yeah, whilst we're missing forwards, if the forwards can get that job done in the middle, then they're setting up the platform, as you said, for the, the backs to do their job. Dylan Brown and Mitch Moses, so much flowed from them last week after the forwards won the middle. So, um, yeah, that that that's going to be the interesting thing, just how well the forwards go. Now, I got to watch Joe Offengawi at training last night. Mm-hmm. He's a specimen. Like, he's, what is he? He's about six foot three, six foot four, 115 kilos. He's and a reasonable, reasonable sized lad, I'll say that. Yeah, yeah he, he is. So, you just seeing him out on the field you just knew that he's going to bring that power and but coupled with mobility like he's a he's a big mobile middle that's um, that the eels are able to fortunately able to field this week because we've got Wiramu who is just a a physical presence and we've seen that with uh, when he's going in for the big shot in defense he hurts them when he carries, he refuses to surrender and his post-contact metres are always fantastic. And he's the more game time that he's getting, the better his stamina, his mobility is becoming. But he's not going to be as mobile as some other middle forwards just simply because he is such a big human. And he's not built that way to be 
a highly mobile player. So he's going to get... Well, it'll be interesting to see what minutes he does get this week, let's be honest, because he, he gets around that 30 to 40-minute mark with a, a, in terms of the total game time. And he normally does, what, about 25 to 30 minutes in the first stint, something like that. Yeah. That's then whether he comes back on or not. Um, we're seeing uh, Bryce Cartwright's having probably... I mean, you want to say breakout year, but he's had a breakout year when he was younger. Um, this has been his most consistent football that we've seen from Bryce Cartwright. And I think it's fair to say that BA's produced the type of player in Bryce Cartwright that a lot of people doubted he would ever become. He's just a genuinely quality, consistent footballer yeah, now. He is picking his moments wonderfully. He's rolling up his sleeves and doing the hard work. Like, yeah, he misses yeah. a tackle here or there. That's how the game goes. Uh, but there's no silly offloads. There's no forced second-phase play. Uh, instead, he is just running really smart lines. Like that one he did against South Sydney, that fading overs route the last second. Uh, I think if you actually saw the uh, sideline coverage, they were on Reg, and Reg caught it. He said, uh, he said, Cardi's going to go over here. And uh, yeah. sure enough, he did. So, yeah, he's yeah. playing some tremendous football. And, geez, it, it's so fulfilling to see – I know, you know, he's not at the end of his career yet, but given his career arc and the, the path he's walked and the silly things he's done as a young lad, it's fulfilling as a fan to see him starting to realise his potential and become the, you know, full, well-rounded footballer that, you know, he, he needed to be in order to realise his potential. How many, how many similar stories over the years have we seen with players that have come to the Eels looking for redemption, looking for a, a, to resurrect their career or, or even have been fringe players that didn't look like they were going to have a long career and they've established themselves as, as you know, quality first graders under Brad Arthur. And look, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because we, we get, as fans, frustrated that we go all in on the lottery ticket redemption, you know, sort of, a, or, you know, like we said, redemption or... Or just development. development. Yeah, develop, development sort of our recruitment there. Uh, and it's because it's such a big feather in Brad Arthur's cap. He does such a wonderful job and has since he stepped into the job at uh, season 2014. And you go all the way back with Davey Gower and uh, you know a couple other boys in that squad. And then you, you look more recently at the stars that have now been unearthed with Isaiah Papali'i. Uh, and you know, we're looking at Bryce Cartwright's journey right now. So... Yeah, it, it really is a strength of Brad Arthur, and I think Bryce credited him as he's the best coach he's ever had this season, uh, saying that you know that that's how he's realised his potential, and that that's also a reflection on the players too. By the way, you know, you, yeah. as great as a coach can be, you still need to be coached, and so that's on the players there. They've done a great job, and yeah, Bryce is just having a tremendous season, and yeah, I think he's off contract, but you'd think that something's been ironed out, given the way he's playing football. And how this is essentially... I mean, he's, he's another one of those players that, despite the journey that they've walked to get here, he's probably going to retire at Parramatta Eagle when you think about his career. You know, yeah. There's, and, you know, and I think you've raised a relevant point too. You, you talked about the credit that goes to the players. The player has to be coachable. Exactly. If, if there are players out there that we know aren't coachable, they... Um, they struggle with either having change or development to their game. And he's 
he seems like he he fits that mold of someone who is uh, open to getting their game changed or to honing it in a different way, being asked to be a different type of player, but not completely taking out um, aspects of the of the game which gives them a point of difference. And we know that Bryce Cartwright has skill levels that uh, other players don't have, but he keeps that in for the right time now, instead of, you know, just any time he thought he might do it. And, and we know that he's got an offload in him, that he's got a freak pass in him, but he almost reminds me in a way of Folletti Matteo in that Folletti had that capability in him as well, but he would throw passes when players weren't there. I think in as much as frustration that someone wasn't pushing up beside him, you'd see the ball get popped to nobody. Yeah. Um, or an offload where the person was not in a better position to receive the offload or just not looking. But now um, his ball playing before the line, his ball playing through contact has been so much more selective and coming on the back of strong carries, which are opening up those corridors to you know promote the ball into a better position. Well, I think that we're seeing that, just to move on a bit, to Jermaine Hopgood, because uh, Jermaine has those offloads as well, those freak passes that he's capable of. Uh, although they're a different build and you know they have differences as players, they've both got that capacity to throw a pass out of nowhere. But the pass out of nowhere has to be read. Well, you have to have the support players there. It has to be read by the support players that they have to know that there's a chance that it's on. And there's a bit of familiarity that needs to be established. We talk about combinations, but really combinations are, are, are all about familiarity, knowing the bloke next to you, trusting the bloke next to you. Um, and, and I think every player has that responsibility to stay in the moment in a game, like just competing all the time. And I think... What you see when a team drops out of form, say like the Roosters are at the moment, it's because the players drop out of moments. They're not they're not looking to fall on a loose ball. Yeah. I guess you're calling these some of those one percenters. Yep. Uh, they're not they're not looking to yeah, drop the, on the a winnable loose ball. moments that you just let them go by you in a game. Yeah, yeah. They're not looking to to make that extra effort to chase or to dive for an ankle tap or just scramble to keep a player a player from grounding the ball, you know, all, all the things that when they talk about good teams make their own luck, they're, they're not, they're not luck moments. They're, they're effort plays. Hustle, effort, desperation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we've seen some teams lift like that. I mean, the way that we saw the Titans lift against Parramatta, if you think back to all the times where the Eels were either over the line or about to go over the line and, and, and there were tackles that were made at the last minute, just effort plays to stop the Eels from scoring. And you only have to find a couple of those. And sometimes they turn into 12-point turnarounds yep. where a try is prevented at one end and then a, then the try is scored at the other end on the back of that. you just got to keep competing. You see it when a player chases a, a, a player that's breaking away for an undeniable try, but that effort maybe to keep them pinned in the corner and grounding the ball or to, or to just compete in the chase because 
I mean, you don't know. Is the bloke gonna is the boat gonna cramp up as he's running? Is he gonna pull a hamstring? Is he gonna stumble unexpectedly? You, you just don't know what's gonna happen. So you and, and you don't know whether in the end as well that the game becomes a two point or one point game and keeping the keeping the try to being scored out wide. Yeah, enforcing the difficult conversion. Exactly. Absolutely. So um anyway, we're 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 We've sort of getting away a little bit from uh, from that because we started off talking about Bryce Carbide a... and, and the fact that he's a lot more consistent player. But this is, I, I, I guess, that's what I'm. Uh, I want to see from the Eels this week when you've got players that are out, the players that are in. That they talk about this next man up mentality. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing about the whole thing about that is about players who don't leave anything out there. They just give everything of themselves. Not to the point where they do undisciplined things, but that they compete. They just compete, compete, compete. That they know their role, they trust the bloke next to them, and that the players who are the regulars in there, they trust that that bloke coming in is going to do his role as well. So that's what I'm looking to see this week. Like you, I'm looking for the forwards to be able to get their job done and then the backs to play off the back of that. Yeah, I'm expecting the Cowboys will be so embarrassed about last week and that you're not going to see anything like that performance from them against the Eels. They will be, they will be fired up in a big way. I, I think it's going to be a close game. Are you at the point where you're ready to make a call now, mate, on the on the score? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not feeling the close game though. I think the Cowboys are there to be beaten. I think just the the wheels are falling off a little bit this year for them. And it's funny how you can say that about a team with the same amount of wins, uh, but just the manner in which both teams have won and lost their games uh, is vastly different this season. Yeah. Well, look, I I'm basing my score prediction on the Cowboys turning up and and again I'm using that expression which I don't like to use but I, I what I'm getting at there is that I think they are going to be high on effort plays this week because of last week. Yeah well they, they were embarrassed there is no pretty way to you know spell it out for them, they were utterly humiliated Yeah so I'm I'm expecting a score. I'm expecting the Eels to win. I'm not expecting it to be ultra close. I don't think we're going to talk about a six-point win, but I, as I said, I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people maybe think. Uh, I'm going to predict the Eels to win uh, scoreline something like 36 to 18. Uh, I'm going to go for a 20-point win, 30 to 10. I've got... I mean, the first try scorers is difficult because I went Sevo last week, but it was Russell. It was Sevo uh, the week before, and I think I went somewhere else. So the wingers have been featured here, but I'll go Bowie Simonson. I feel like that left edge might be cooking a little bit this week. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm going for, I think, uh, out wide again, and I, it's it's going to sound boring, but I'm going to go for Sevo as first it's try scorer. good. It's good, solid uh, back there. Uh, and then in terms of best on field, Eel's got a whole number of options. Obviously, anyone from the spine is always a strong chance of uh, figuring out in Dalian points and being best on field. But I'm looking at the two front rollers here, 60s, and 
you know, the rise and rise of Woody, of Wiramu Greg. Like I said, he went from being outside out, sort of top three or four props to uh, injuries forcing him into the number one role. But I say injuries, he's also been playing some really, really good football. So I'm keen to see how he handles the load as the number one guy this week. And I think he will be the number one guy. I know Joe's there, but I think as a new face, even if he's a senior figure, Joe will be the number two bookend. So I'm keen to see how they both play, but I'm going to nominate Woody as my uh, best on field to watch. Now I'm I'm going to go for a selection which might surprise people. I'm going to go for Hodjo, Josh Hodgson. Now he's been building nicely. It, it's been, what, nearly a month of good football for him now. It really uh, capped with a, an exclamation mark game against South Sydney. So, Well, you, you gave him a point in the 3 2 last week. I'm going that step further in suggesting that he might just get the three points in our three two ones this week because of the fact that he has been building. You can sense that his confidence is building and the that leadership role that I saw him have in the preseason, I'm just starting to see as well as hear about that he is starting to impose himself a little bit more around the team and what his expectations are and of, of the players around him as well as himself. So I think we're going to see a continuation of that strong form. Mm-hmm. And he had those big moments last week uh, that were really momentum changes with those the kick pressure that he was putting on as well as just picking the right way to go out of dummy half and people might think there's probably a lot of people that didn't notice that but it, it was like nearly every decision out of out of dummy half was the right one and we've had a couple of years where that's not necessarily been the case and uh, certainly Josh's form at the start of the season was quite ordinary, but I think he's really picking up right now. So, yeah, I'll go for him for my best on field. I like it. I like it. All righty. Well, that brings an end to another preview podcast, 60s. Eels playing three grades against three separate teams. Just to recap, it's Flegg versus the Melbourne Storm, Saturday 2.45 p.m. out at Kellyville, then 5.40 p.m. at Combank Stadium. The Eels will host the North Sydney Bears, who lead the competition in the New South Wales Cup before the Eels and Cowboys do battle in the NRL, 8 o'clock p.m. You can catch us live, 6.15 p.m. at Jack's Bar and Grill, interviewing the uh, mighty John Muggleton, talking all things Parramatta, all things around 13. But until then, mate, I think you got something to say. Until then, yeah, until then, mate, go you wheels.